Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,879. Today we're back at the La Carrera Panamericana race, so buckle up. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in New York, Purchase, New York, with a very special guest by the name of Chris Mason. Chris, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I certainly am. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We'll have some fun here. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into what you're doing, which you are having some fun, what's one little thing that most people may not know about you, Chris? That I used to be able to consistently run a mile under four minutes and 20 seconds. Whoa. You know, my wife and I were going for our daily walk the other day, and we were talking about that when they finally broke the four-minute mile mark. You know, way back when, people said, no way, that'll ever happen. And it just keeps getting lower and lower and lower. But that's impressive. Were you a, a runner in school? Yeah, I ran through junior high school and high school. I stopped in university because it just stopped being fun. It got too serious. I understand. I ran track in high school myself. My son ran track in high school and ended up going to the state finals here in Washington, which was cool. He ran the four by uh, relay and the 400 uh, meter dash, basically. And he had a t-shirt made that said the 400 meter, the fastest way to get back to where you started and the most difficult. <laughs> I still have one of those shirts somewhere, but... Uh, Oh, good. Good for him. Yeah, some fun good stuff. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to find out the kind of fun you're having because now you're not uh, running, but you are going fast, my friend. Chris Mason is the co-founder, along with his brother Jeffrey, of Driving La Carrera, a motorsports media production company and vintage rally racing team. These two American brothers go racing in the in documenting the world's last great road race, Mexico's La Carrera Panamericana. Chris grew up in Morristown, a small town in New Jersey, where you had to invent your own fun with whatever you could find where life was limited only by your own imagination. And his imagination took him around the world, eventually landing him in Venice, Italy, where he's lived and worked for 30 years. I'm looking forward to hearing about that too. He has worn many hats over the years, uh, though remains a craftsman. At heart, his most recent endeavor is Driving La Carrera, uh, created with his brother Jeffrey. They tell stories through film and photography of this great Mexican road race. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our sponsors. So keep your seatbelts cinched tight. We're going to go racing today. We're going to have some fun. Be right back. Summer is here, and that means long, hot days. Oh, boy. Covercraft's UVS custom sunscreens are quality-made and are incredibly fast and easy to use. Your UVS sunscreen is custom-tailored for your vehicle, and their accordion design ensures easy storage. Not only do they protect your dash and interior for maximum protection, while parking in the sun, sunscreens keep your vehicle's interior significantly cooler. They are durable. They're dependable for years of use. I have one for all my vehicles. Every time I park my car, 
my Covercraft sunscreen goes up in the window. You can choose from a variety of colors, including the original, Premier Series, and Carhartt designs. Your sunscreen is manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. And they make a really great gift as well. Get your summer deal today. Use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Use the code yeah 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance is where I now have my policy. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush, and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine. Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Chris, let's dive a little deeper into the corner, something no doubt you've done many, many times. I'd like to start by talking about Venice, Italy, which is kind of an interesting place to start because we're going to transition into Mexico and road racing. But Venice, Italy, what took you there and what do you do there and what have you been doing there for the last 30 years? Well, Venice is the most beautiful city on the planet. Venice is built at the level of a human being. By walking through the streets, you're constantly engaging with human beings. The the social life in Venice exists at a level where it doesn't exist in any other place that I've ever been. Um, And that particular aspect of Venice is extraordinary. No doubt. That is, you know, and it's fascinating that we're going to be talking about racing, which is basically no interaction with any people other than when you come in and fill up a car or at the end of the race. I mean, two very different extremes in your life. What have you been doing in Venice, Italy for the last 30 years? Well, creating and running walking and cycling trips throughout the world, but principally in Italy and Nepal and Turkey, interspersed with that. I've exercised my trade, which is I'm a woodworker, which I've, wow. I've done since I was knee high to a grasshopper. Venice, obviously, you can't build, but Venice is full of old palazzos. And so I learned the art of restoration and the art of creating uh, period interiors. Oh, my gosh. You know, this is fascinating. You are a bit of a renaissance man, I think, because uh, a guy who grew up in a small town in New Jersey where he had to figure out how to entertain himself, ending up in Venice, working on old buildings and and going around the world and arranging things. Oh, my gosh. You created a very fascinating life for yourself. 
Well, it's been fun. I believe you can do whatever you want, honestly. <laughs> well, that's true. All you have to do is is work hard and try and, and do it. Well, let's fast forward to this project that you and your brother driving La Carrera. What took you into a race car from walking the streets and uh, sipping espresso in Venice, Italy and working on fine old woodwork to jumping in a car and racing in Mexico? Well, I was into cars all through high school. When I went to university in New York City, we kind of had to put cars away. And Venice, obviously, is not full of automobiles. But it's a bit cliche, but I turned 50 and I decided that I wanted to get back into automobiles. Mm -hmm. And I thought rallying would be the best way to do that. So I started doing a bit of research and talking to a number of human beings. I was introduced to a man by the name of Kent Bain. Um, out of Vintage Racing Services in Stratford, Connecticut. And he said to me, if there was one rally that you need to do in your life, it's the Carrera in Mexico. And so that's, I'm one to take advice, especially from certain types of mentors that I've met throughout the years. And so that's how we ended up in a car down in Mexico. Wow. Um, that's the simp- that's the simplified version of that one. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling it's a very <laughs> simplified version. So so let's jump into the car. You guys, you and your brother Jeffrey drive a rather interesting car. Tell us about the car you drive, why you chose it, and uh, let's talk a little bit about what it's like to drive in the La Carrera in that particular vehicle. But let's start with the ride. Well, we chose a 1966 Volvo Amazon 122- S. Why did we choose this car? Well, when we got our feet wet in racing, we went down to Brian Redmond's Target 66 in West Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Great event for anybody that wants to spend a lot of track time. We had rented a Amazon and had a heck of a lot of fun in it. And we had looked at a lot of different cars, but someone came up to us, uh, Sam Nelson, and said, hey, look, I've got this Amazon for sale. It ran the 211 uh, Carrera. Would you be interested? And we hemmed and hawed, and we chose the Amazon. It's beautiful. It's got lovely lines. It's a solid car, safe. Uh, The Carrera is not without its dangers. Um, So we felt that a safe car would be important. We decided with a four-cylinder as opposed to an eight-cylinder engine, once again, sort of for safety in the Carrera, the roads are tight, the speeds are high, and all the advice that we had been given was to stay out of, for at least for the first few years, stay out of the bigger cars. So that's how we ended up with the Mescalero, and uh, well, the Mescalero is the name of our Volvo. I was going to say that's, that's the what? <laughs> the, 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 mes- mes- the Mescalero. The Mescalero. I mean, the the, the beauty the beauty of the Volvo is. That it's not your usual Carrera car. That's not to say that other people haven't raced a Volvo in the Carrera. But recently, there's never two. Let's put it that way. And <laughs> often there's not even, unless we're there, there's not even one. Um, people love the car. It gets a huge crowd response anywhere it goes. Um, one of the fun, fun things about the Mescalero is that it's street legal in New York. Well, it has, you know, it's licensed, it's registered in New York, so I can drive it anywhere, which <laughs> I do. And that, that adds a whole nother um, aspect of fun to this particular automobile. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, when I when I think of La Carrera, you think of a wide variety of vehicles, and I've seen all sorts of crazy things 
race in that race. I think you guys have one of the more unique ones. And of course, regular listeners here on Cars Yeah know that I had Carlo on the show uh, first, I think, to drive a GT40 uh, in that event, which, okay, that was an interesting selection because you don't think of that car as a car suited for that kind of racing, more like Porsches, perhaps, although it's an endurance car. But you, you've made the Amazon cool. <laughs> because when I first looked, I went, what on earth are these guys doing? Why did they pick that car? And the more I look at it, the more I fall in love with it and the more endearing it becomes. And the more, especially when you look at that vehicle, you think of it kind of a, you know, just a daily driver from way back when. But it just, it starts to grow on you. It becomes a personality. And that's what a lot of these La Carrera cars become in my humble opinion. I've never driven the event, but when I look at all the different cars, you guys kind of stand out. Well, thank you very much. But your point that the cars do become personalities is very accurate. Not all the cars, but certain automobiles take on a character themselves. And the Mexican fans love the cars more than they love the drivers. I mean, you can stand, you know, okay, one of the greatest things about going down and driving, La, you know, the La Carrera Panamericana, Panamericana is that you get to be a rock star for the, you know, for those seven days. You know, you're just, you're just, you're there. You're living the dream. You are a famous race car driver. But as only as long as you stand next to the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Otherwise. Minute, the, minute, <laughs> the, the minute you walk away from the car, you're just another guy. In a racing suit, it it doesn't it doesn't matter. What truly matters is the automobile, and it, it's 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 good fun, really good fun. Well, no doubt, the vintage group that I ran with up here in the Pacific Northwest was Sovereign, and they would always start the pre-race meeting with us drivers as, "Remember, guys, the cars are the stars." And it's not about you. It's about the car and putting on a good show and taking care of the car and taking care of other people's cars and so forth. Now, now the La Carrera had several drivers. I mentioned Carlo Flores. He was recently on. Renee Brinkerhoff has been on. Wonderful story about how she got into, oh, I think I'll go racing in my mid-50s. And then oh, I think I'll go do this. What? Uh, <laughs> brave lady. She's a rock star. Yeah, she's incredible. She really, she really is. And her her, incredible. her incredible cause to uh, help fight uh, trafficking of children around the world is absolutely tremendous. Uh, let's talk about your experience with La Carrera, what it's like for you guys. Now, do you guys switch off or are you the driver or is Jeffrey the driver? No, we do not switch off. Um, when we started this project, the intention was to switch, but... We quickly found out that Jeffrey is a much better navigator and I'm faster behind the wheel. So Jeffrey's dedicated to being a navigator and I'm dedicated to driving the car. You know, I just had two young women. Uh, they were 18 and 20, Olivia and Jenna Gentry. They both just won an event here in the U.S., very different from the La Carrera, of course, called The Great Race. Yeah. It was the first time a female team won, and they're very young. Although they have participated in this event with their parents and their grandparents for a long time, they full-on won the whole big $50,000 check, which was very impressive. So let's talk a little bit about your impressions as a driver on this event. Can you share a little bit of, there's probably many impressions as a driver on this event. It's such an all-encompassing thing, but what are a few of the things that stand out for you as a driver at La Carrera? Well, the one thing I would say to everyone that drives an automobile, have you ever been on a mountain road in your favorite car and want 
to experience how fast you and that car could go. Right. If you felt that way, you should be going down to La Carrera Panamericana because <laughs> that's what it is. And the speed stages, because the race is divided into transit and speed stages, and we can talk about that later on, but the speed stages are on closed mountain roads, mm. which means there's no one between point A and point B to slow you down. You're only limited by your ability and the speed of your automobile. And that is as exhilarating as it gets. It's absolutely extraordinary. And you are, you know, you are on mountain roads. You are not on a racetrack. There is not a runoff. Your navigator is, is shouting at you at the bottom of the hill. You're doing, you know, you're coming down the hill. You're doing 100 miles an hour, 110 miles an hour. And your, your navigator is saying, you know, 400 meters, it's a right four, which means more than 90 degrees with a cliff. You better slow down. Better slow down. You don't get around that corner you're off the head. Yeah, the yeah. It's a, it's a frightening thing. But again, as most racers will tell you, know your own limits uh, and don't drive or exceed your own limits. So it's a fascinating thing that you get to do there. Let's talk about the different phases of the race as well, because you mentioned there's speed elements. And then when, when Carlo was on, he was talking about it was very warm and he's in a very hot car and having to drive between stages and it, the car was boiling inside. And it's like, oh, my gosh, we need to get back up to speed. But you can't. So it's there's a lot of components to this thing. There are a lot of components to it. And, and heat is definitely one of them. But um, the race is divided into seven stages. So it's seven days. Each day is divided between transit stages and speed stages because the stage starts at point A and finishes at point B. You're on an average of 700 kilometers a day. Uh, speed stages, there's generally 10 during the day, and they can run from either four kilometers, well, seven kilometers to 25 kilometers, roughly. And as I said earlier, the speed stages are on closed roads. Nice. The transit stages, which I would hold are the most difficult stages, are on open public roads. And you are required to cover a certain amount of ground in a certain amount of time. And this is where problems occur because you're, you know, traffic jams, traffic accidents, you get lost, you're slow. And that's where you incur penalties. You're given a 60 second window to complete a piece of road and if you you generally don't it's difficult to arrive early but it's easy to arrive late and if you don't go through the control point within those 60 seconds you start to become penalized if you incur a penalty if you're late let's say you incur a 30 second penalty that's 30 seconds now it is difficult in a competitive class to make up those 30 seconds in the speed stage. That's, that's a lot of ground to make up over, over a, you know, what is 100 to 125 kilometers to your competitors. So the, the transit stages, for me, are where the, the, the race is won and lost. I'll bet. Now, you and your brother are not just the only two people as part of your team, right? You have another group of people that help, mechanics and helpers, or how big is the average team? Well, the average team, our team is three. Well, we're five in total. So Jeffrey, myself, 
We have Tim Ritchie as our, our crew chief out of VRS, Mike Kelly, and we always have a interpreter uh, because neither Tim, it helps, it helps to have a Mexican national with you. It's just sure. Mexico is a particular place and particular culture and it helps. That is our race team. Now we have a, a media team, which is another, well, last year it was eight. Uh, this year it'll be 10 people. That's uh, between videographers, photographers, drivers. Wow. Amazing. Well, let's talk about driving La Carrera, the, uh, the video portion, uh, creative portion of your career here. Uh, I enjoyed what you did for Carlo and his uh, bringing that experience to me as a viewer, having not been there, I felt like I was part of that rolling party as Carlo likes to call it. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. How did you get into wanting to do video and, and documenting these things? Well, driving La Carrera was born out of our desire to share our adventure with friends and family. So in 218, when we started this, this, this adventure, we created Driving La Carrera and created a blog and Jeffrey started doing podcasts and to share our preparations, uh, to help others who might want to get involved in the same adventure. And our intention was to continue to do this during the race in 218. Mm-hmm. that didn't occur we started racing and obviously there was no way we ended up coming home with some snapshots and some fridge magnets and we thought in 219 we thought no that's there's there's got to be a better way so we got connected with a mexican photographer named uh julian castillo mr petrolhead and made arrangements with him that he was going to follow our race and he had a great friend fair coom from guatemala who was a videographer and suggested maybe Fair could come along. And we were like, yeah, great. So at the end of 2019, we had a body of work of photography and videography that said, well, what are we going to do with this? So we created our first film, Rally Brothers. Nice. And after, and after creating this Rally Brothers film, we realized that there was a potential for creating documentary films for vintage racers because when you're in the car you can't take you take photographs but they're snapshots right and we've all had you know, gopros or whatever it is in the in the you know in the car and how many hours of gopro footage are you going to be able to show your loved ones before they look at you and go yeah i get it dad you know you're going yeah it's fast. <laughs> it's like watching Kinda. the family vacation yawn <laughs> exactly but even so, you don't get the sense of speed. You don't get the sense of what happened. Right. And what, what your comment to me was, was perfect, right? When you watched Carlos film, that's exactly what we were trying to do. Yeah. And that's what Carlos said to me. He said, Carlo had raced the Carrera six times, six mm-hmm. times. Yeah. And it was the first time after watching the film that we created for him that his family understood and said, Dad, now we get it. That's what we're we're doing, and that's what we're trying to provide. And, and not only right now we're focused on on uh, the Carrera because that's the race we know. Um, obviously, our intentions are to broaden that and and move into uh, other rallies. You know, I think this is tremendous because being someone who raced vintage cars, I go back and look at the years I raced. I don't have much to look at as a reminder. I have a few pictures, a couple short videos. Now, when I was doing it, even videos on phones weren't 
really very good. And I've always thought, you know, I never could bring this back to my family for them to to see why I enjoyed this so much. I did make the mistake of having my wife jump in the car with ex-indie racer Dominic Dobson. And <laughs> she drove him around the track. And when he came back, she about threw up and said, I thought this was just an oval. I didn't know there was a road course. You're going to die out there. I don't want you doing this anymore. I went, well, that was a mistake. And I looked at Dominic saying, I, I think you went a little too fast. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a tremendous thing you're doing. Let's take a short break. We come back. I want to talk about maybe one of the biggest challenges you faced or, or you're facing when you're shooting this or driving the event. So keep the seatbelt cinched tight and we'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARS YEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions, raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions, and I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson auctions is contagious, and a unique experience is not to be missed. And be sure to visit BarrettJackson.com today. Barrett-Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. So let's talk about this, uh, a big challenge. When you think about racing in La Carrera and filming, uh, and maybe these are two different questions, but what's the biggest challenge with something like this? I mean, it's a big undertaking. That really is two different questions, and I will answer it as two questions. But the similarity between the two challenges is that everyone needs to cover the race distance. And that's a race distance of 2,000 miles plus. So from a driving point of view, the difficulty is not letting the red mist come over your eyes, mm. not driving over your abilities. It's very easy to get excited. You know, the car feels great. You feel great. You're in the groove and it's really wonderful until it isn't. The groove moves. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. in that instant where it isn't, you're off the road. And off the road can either mean you get it right back on the road because you didn't damage the car significantly, or you're not getting back on the road 
because you damage the car significantly. And that has a whole number of consequences. Certainly the most challenging event that occurred to my brother and I in the 2019 Carrera was when we didn't take our own advice during qualifying, take it easy because it doesn't really matter. Uh, the red mist came over my eyes and my competitor was showed up right in front of me and I thought, oh boy, and I didn't make it around the corner and dumped the car into the side of the hill. And turns out we broke the steering box of a 1966 Volvo Amazon in Mexico. Now, I, we carry an entire, almost an entire car's worth of spares in the trailer, but we didn't have that one. Yeah, that one, yeah, that was for like some reason or other, weird thing that to break. particular part, yeah, well, we have several of them now, but that turned out to be, you know, a huge problem for us. And mm -hmm. at two o'clock in the afternoon, we had a broken steering box, which meant our race was over. Yeah. So that's a year's worth of preparation, time, oh. effort, money, people, and you're sitting there with a broken car. Yeah. Um, we managed, you know, it's, I won't go into the whole story about how we managed to get to the starting line because you can watch the film if you'd like to see that. Uh, but we did get to the starting line and then it, you know, and the race unfolded and it was great. But then we did it again. And that was the second most challenging part. <laughs> <laughs> because at that point we were in we were in second place in our class, which we were thrilled. I mean, that which was the result we were we were we were looking for. And at the end of day six, we put it we put it in the hill. The same exact accident, not with the same result. We ended up bending the front cross member and the rear axle, which meant that the car was incredible around a right-hand turn, but to get it around a left-hand turn was um, not so easy. Wow. And, and we had day seven of that year was the longest of stages with the famous uh, Spinoza uh, speed stage, which is roughly 25, 30 kilometers and I cannot remember how many curves, but it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's hundreds. The road to Hana in Mexico. <laughs> the, the road to Hana in Mexico is incredible. But we managed, we managed to get through, and we lost the place. We did lose second, but we did place third. So that's from a monumental challenge. That was the monumental challenge for sure. No doubt. Dry. Yeah. I always ask my guests about a special car. With Is that 66 Volvo the special car for you? That's going to have to be the special car for me. You know, the Mescalero has become my partner in crime in this entire, in this, in this life-changing event. Now, I really just set out to go drive a rally with my brother, and now I'm speaking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, and, and, look and, what brought and, us and, together. And, and the Mescalero has been, been a big part of that. No doubt. I'm going to crawl into your skull a little bit here, okay? This would be an interesting place because you are a very interesting and complex and interwoven guy with the way you've created your life. If you were manifest as a vehicle, and this isn't what you want to be, this is your personality becoming a vehicle, what would you be, but more importantly, why? A 1966 Lancia Fulvia would Ooh, be my choice. Back to 66, okay, and I love the Lancia. First series, it's a bit of a sleeper. Not, not a, you know, 1.2 liter engine will go absolutely anywhere. 
It's capable of going everywhere. It loves the mountains. It's always ready for adventure. And, you know, it's it's an unassuming, elegant automobile. It's a very pretty car. When I, I think of those cars, I mean, when you first look at them, the headlights look a little bit too big, and it looks almost like it's supposed to be a boat because it's got that wonderful line that runs all the way around the vehicle. Like it could be a boat, you know, and everything below that line could be underwater. And then you got this kind of submarine-esque Italian flavor type thing. I've never had the joy of driving one, but very cool vehicle. And I think it, yeah, no, I think it fits you well. <laughs> they're, they're, a fan, they're a fantastic car to drive. One would think that the front wheel drive would be quite heavy, but it's it's not. You, I mean, you can put anyone in there. It's it's. It's light. It tracks. It is. It is, and much like uh, the BMW 2002, and then later on the early X3s, X5s. Yes. The sedan, you can see everything. There's no. The visibility is just extraordinary, and it doesn't really separate you from the world. You're in the. You know. Yes, you're in an automobile. You're in a car, but you don't feel separated from the world that you're driving through. And that's that's an exceptional aspect of the launch. And I think I think they did it first. But your observation about its nautical uh, similarities is 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 very is very accurate. And it is you know 30 years of 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 living in Venice and living in boats. You know, I've 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 spent my time in boats most of the time, not not cars. So perhaps there there is that maybe that's perhaps what uh, some of what attracted me to the automobile as well. I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't thought about it. Well, and it's interesting too, the correlation to the 2002, very much that same belt line that runs around the vehicle that gives it that element. We'll call it the little Lancia Barchetta uh, then, (laughs) you know, Uh, very much those kind of flavor, those beautiful Italian cars. Is there a book that you've enjoyed that you'd like to share with the listeners today? You found very cool, interesting, educational, fun? Definitely. Ringo Levio, A Life Played for Keeps by Emmett Grogan is the book. Now, Emmett Emmett Grogan was one of the founding members of the Diggers. If anybody goes all the way back to the 60s, they were sort of a Dada-esque, slightly anarchistic, into the sort of free... Free politics of the 60s. You know, they did things like they had a free store. That's the diggers. But the the reason why I love this particular book is that Emmett was an adventurous soul who constantly pushed the boundaries of what was acceptable. And he himself really struggled with understanding his place in the world and how we fit in. And there were times when he fit in, there were times when he didn't fit in. And it was always a, a challenge for him and how he related to the, to, uh, to the world. A man that, you know, grew up in Manhattan and went off to Europe and then went off to California and multiple, multiple, multiple uh, adventures. It's a good book, good book, solid book. 
first time that book's been been recommended, and uh, as the way they describe that, uh, a classic American story of self-invention by one of the most mysterious and alluring figures to emerge in the 1960s. So, you know, it's a it's a cool one. I'm excited that it's not been suggested here because uh, I do have a place on my website called Guest Recommended Books where people can go and find these and fill the library with some great reads. Uh, this is a book I've not read, so I'll have to get my hands on this and uh, learn a little bit about this adventurous person. Kind of sounds like somebody I'm talking to today in many ways. So <laughs> I like it. I like it. We'll take one more short break. We come back. I'm going to take you on the ultimate drive. You've already been on the ultimate drive, but we're going to go on maybe something a little different. So sit tight. We'll be right back. Cars yeah is proud to support our veterans, which is why I've teamed up with our nonprofit partner, TechForce Foundation, through its Veterans at Work Military Transition Campaign. The tech shortage is very real, and our country needs skilled, qualified techs to keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. When so many vets build their skills in maintaining and servicing vehicles when deployed, TechForce helps transition those skills to jobs as professional technicians when they come home. Learn more about TechForce Foundation and its Veterans at Work Military Transition Fund at techforce.org today. So today, Chris, I have a magic scepter, which enables me to provide you with a couple very cool things. Any vehicle in the world to go on an ultimate drive. Or if you want to race it, maybe you want to take it to La Carrera next year and race it. Who would you be with? What would the car be? And maybe what would you be talking about or where would you be driving? So let's go on your ultimate fantasy drive. Mark, that's a that's a tough one. Huh. Especially for a guy that's already done what you've done. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's think. 55, 1955 Mila in Italy. Yeah. Sterling Moss. Cool. Mercedes 300 SLR. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll tell you something. Yeah. You, you've picked a, a very nice car to do this with because I've had many, many people on this show who have the means to own cars like this or have driven on many events like the Copper State or uh, California Melee or all these types of tours and things. Nothing as exciting as what you've done, but you can take your old cars and enjoy good company and some fun roads. By far, one of the most recommended classic vintage vehicles to do this in is the 300. That's interesting. Yeah. So you've picked a nice one. And of course, uh, the guy who drove one to victory, Sir Sterling Moss. Well, that's why. I would have liked to have been seated in that car and feel what that man could do (laughs) with that car on public roads. Not a track. Right. On public roads. Now, my other would be because I, I don't have just one. That's I, I made. You know, Sterling Moss was was definitely a, a champion at, at, at driving a car, keeping a car on the road sideways. But the other would have to be 1977 Monte Carlo mm, rally. Yeah, with with Sandro Munati in a '73 Lancia Fulvia, without uh, a doubt. Yeah, without without almost um in a certain sense. More than Sterling Moss and the Mercedes, Munari is is whatever. He was just a, a god of of rallying in, in the in the rally world, and no one could drive the Fulvia the way he did. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you'd be the jinx to Sir Sterling for sure. <laughs> you know, I'd kind of go with that. And uh, I love the Monte Carlo and Munari and the Lancia would be great. The other one I was thinking of Vic Elford in a Porsche. 
uh, the Monte Carlo Rally. That'd be another pretty cool guy to sit next to. Uh, uh, Robert Robert Redmond down oh, at yeah. down at the tar- down at the Targa Floria. Targa Floria. Yeah, it, there's so many. Porsche. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, nice, nice oh. thought, my friend. Well, listen, you've taken me on an incredible ride today. I'm so glad that we connected, and and I appreciate you. You know, you're on vacation today in the Adirondack. Yeah, Adirondack, Upper Sar- Upper Saranac Lake. There you go. So I really appreciate you finding a little uh, internet connection so we could talk today. Beautiful place <laughs> in the world to vacation, and uh, I hope you get back to Italy because no doubt the pandemic. We didn't get into it, but I don't want to bring in bad things. But the pandemic kind of probably created a, a lot of challenges for you you is everybody in your family stayed healthy and well everybody stayed healthy and well we've been uh, we have a, a property uh, downstate and just outside of new york city and nice. we've been there since since they shut italy down like yeah. a year and a half ago yeah so. yeah well i'm good i'm glad to hear that before i let you go could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom guidance maybe a success quote at driving la carrera we have a saying or motto cosas chingonas which translates into imagine amazing things. It's spectacular. I love it. Uh, listeners, you can find everything Chris has shared on his show notes page. And I would assume people can go. Now, you've got a website and YouTube page where people can go and see your creations. Is that right? Correct. Driving la so L-A, Carrera, C-A-R-R-E-R-A dot com. There you go. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's all there. It's all very cool, listeners, so check it out. Follow these guys. They are living the dream, and let them be an inspiration to you to live your dreams as well. And I want to do a shout-out thank you to Joseph Anderson at IBP Media for introducing me to Chris. Joseph, thank you very much. Brought me some great guests here on Cars. Yeah, Chris, thanks for uh, taking some time off during your vacation. That's very generous of you. And for sharing the incredible life you've created for yourself, I wish you and your brother and your family and your son getting his learner's permit Great safety on the road. You go, kid. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. This has been great fun. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!